So it's time to go ahead and get started. And uh, today we're going to go back to um, the life of Christ and the harmony of the Gospels. And we're going to continue and take right back up where we left off last week when we were together. Um, for those of you who were here and a part of it, we learned um, last week um, that in Matthew chapter 9, we learned that if you look there with Matthew chapter 9 verses 27 through 34, we learned that Jesus was healing the blind and that Jesus was casting uh, demons out of people. And uh, we, so we want to kind of finish up what we were talking about last week together and then get on to something new. Um, if you remember, we talked about, if you guys remember, we talked about how Jesus was healing physical ailments in people. And spiritual elements as well when it comes to demon possession. But so we talked about who remembers last week when we talked together about how Jesus healed the blind, he healed the deaf, he healed the mute, he healed the lame. And remember, we applied that to physical things, uh, to spiritual things. Does anybody remember how we did that? What do we mean when we say, okay, so Jesus healed somebody who is blind? What would be a spiritual application blind or a good blind to the truth? That's exactly right. The Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter four that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers so that they might not know the truth. And so when Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who he has sent to convict us of our sin and to save us, when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, uh, we're able to see the truth of God for the first time and appreciate it. And so um, all of these are actual, true, physical healings and physical manifestations, but they also have a spiritual application as well, right? So what do we talk about? I'm sorry, what chapter? Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 9 wow. and verse, verse 27. We, we were working on verse 27. Uh, through 38 last week. Okay, and so he healed the blind people. Now remember we said, so if someone is mute, what would be the the spiritual uh, application of that? Someone would be able to what? Speak forth truth. If they're mute, they can't speak. If they're spiritually bound where they can't speak the truth of God, their tongue is loose. Yeah, but their tongue is loose and they can speak praise and worship to God, right? Before we were set free, before we were saved, we worshiped ourselves. And when God sets us free, He sets our tongue free to be free to, uh, to, to worship Him. Um, and what about hearing, right? We learned that salvation comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And if someone is deaf to the truth, right? What does that mean, Michael? You don't want to hear it. Yeah, you don't want to hear it, right? And we, we know people like that, and we've been in that situation before. Any of you in this room have ever been a part of a, uh, a, a family uh, what, uh, intervention, right? Hey, you ever had your family all call you in and tell you how messed up you are, right? That's something you don't want to hear. You walk, the time, right? you walk into the room and you see all your family sitting around ready yeah. to put you on blast, and that's not really what you're looking forward to seeing today, right? A lot of times when we go to church, sometimes we feel like crawling under the pew, don't we? Why? Because it feels like the preacher's preaching right at us and nobody else in the building, right? Well, what's happening in that situation? The Holy Spirit is opening your ears to be able to hear the truth. And our reaction to that, the natural man don't want to receive the things of God, but the spiritual man does. And so we do need to remember that, yes, Jesus is doing these physical healings. There were true physical healings. He was really healing the blind, really calling dead people out of graves. Like He was really doing that. But there's also a spiritual application to that in our lives as well. Now, does that mean... That God is not physically healing people today. No. He's still healing people today. He certainly is. What, but what was the reason? Does anybody remember what the reason was? Why was Jesus doing the miracles that he was doing? Why was he doing the miracles that he was doing? To give glory to God. Huh? To give glory to God. Okay, to give glory to God. Very true. So what had Jesus come to do? When he was born of a virgin and came and grew up as a carpenter's son, when the Holy, when he was baptized by John the Spirit, what was he? What did he come to do? Save, save us. Save All right. Good. Yeah, remember, right? Um, if you look really quickly. Um, so what, what Michael just said, he came to save the sinners, the Jewish people. It, I think he he came in as a Jew, but he came to save us all. 
Yes, but the plan all along was that the Messiah was going to be Jewish, and there was the Jewish Messiah, like it was, he was coming to save his Once people, again, the children of Israel. But God's bigger plan, remember when he gave Abraham the promise, Abraham was not yet circumcised when he received the promise. Okay? So what did that mean? It was before uh, the Jewish people were ever even established. established. The promise was made. But that promise was uh, constrained to one group of people, to the sons of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Why was it constrained to them? Why was it constrained to them? Because the whole world was caught up in darkness. And so God chose a special people to be a light for him. And so you remember, um, a matter of fact, right now in, in our uh, year through the reading the Bible through um, the group that I'm with, we're in the book of Leviticus. And Leviticus is not a very fun book. It's a lot of sacrifices right. and a lot of right. a lot of mess. It's, and it's hard to understand if you don't uh, see Christ in it. But um, I, w- I was just reading today um, where uh, the children of Israel had special dietary laws. Yep. They, they had, still do. Yep, they had special uh, uh, cultic laws. What do I mean by cultic laws? Ways that they worship. They had certain way that they had to do their sacrifices, certain days that they had to do them on. Um, they had a special way to dress. They were not allowed to cut the edges of their beard. They were, they were to be a distinct people among themselves, right? Now, what was the point of that? Why did God give the Israelites all of these rules and said, this is the way you got to live? What was the point of that? Does anybody remember? To separate them from the others? Good. Because they were going to be living in a place called Canaan, and there was going to be, remember all those ites, the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites? Remember all those guys? Mm-hmm. Well, all of those guys are pagans. And they live like pagans. Remember the laws about not marrying your, your, uh, not sleeping with your mom or your aunt or your, your, uh, your kids and things like that. Remember about not sleeping with the dead and not um, sleeping with men and laying with men as men, and you know all those rules. Well, the truth of the matter was that all of the ites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, hit the, all those Canaanite cultures lived that way. And so these rules that God has given them, the purpose of them was to keep the children of Israel as a separate people. But you know, Ronnie, inside of us, and I want to say inside of us all, we have that this ain't right. When you start doing wrong things, and those are some horrible things you're speaking of. But way down deep inside, we know that. Is that because we're one of God's children? or So those, those ites... They never, they never had that inside feeling that no, they did. was wrong. They did. Um, so that feeling anyway. on the what is that feeling on the inside called? Guilt. No. Conscience. Conscience. You have a conscience. Why do you have a conscience? Because you were created in the Imago Dei. You were created in the image of God. And when God created us, right? When God created us, we were created. What He saw, He created man and saw that He was what? Good. So man was created good. It was our turning away from God and rebelling against Him that caused us to lose our goodness. And what what did we lose? Well, one of the things that we lost was our ability to discern the difference in right and wrong. Now that we know good and evil, right? That's what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, now that we know it, now the problem is it's not that we know it, but that we have the inability to discern the difference in the two. Okay, so when you look at the laws of God, the Ten Commandments, what you're actually seeing is God has redefined for the children of Israel something that we lost in Adam. What do I mean by that? Well, Adam, in his heart, because he was created by God and because he was created good, before he knew of evil, he didn't have to think about lying or murdering or committing adultery or not worshiping anybody but God, right? But when he turned his back on God, he did all of those. Matter of fact, there's some theologians who tell you that he broke all Ten Commandments by turning and eating from that tree. Oh, yes. Right? Who did he kill? Himself, right? Who, who did he, who did he uh, commit adultery against? God, his heavenly Father. You know, he cheated on him. He, he was a spiritual whoredom, if you will. Um, who did he lie to? Right? He lied to God. And to himself. And to himself. That's exactly right. And and so he broke all of those commandments. 
Remember, uh, what about the Sabbath day? You say, well, they didn't even have a Sabbath day then. But um, what is the Sabbath? It's the rest of God, right? And by turning away from God and His goodness and His provision, what did Adam have to start doing? Working. Working. So he turned away from the rest and the provisions that God had given him and turned to doing it His way. You see? And so he lost that peace. And so the Ten Commandments were given to the children of Israel to help remind them of what had originally been written on their hearts. Paul even talks about that in the book of Romans. He said, you Jews are running around sleeping around on your wife, and the Gentiles know that that's wrong. Like, they don't even have the Ten Commandments, and they know that it's wrong. They don't do that. You're acting worse than the pagans. You see? And so when God got the children of Israel there, He surrounded them with these laws and with these commandments and with these rules and with this these customs and this way of living to keep them as a separate people. Why did they need to be a separate people? Because the seed of Abraham was coming through that people. Who was the seed of Abraham? Jesus. Yeah. You see? From Abraham, right, right through those people. Right through those through people. Jesus, and so the, the purpose of those, the the purpose of the old covenant, the the Old Testament, the Sinaitic covenant, Moses, those kind of things, was to keep the children of Israel as a separate people. And who was the Messiah coming to save? God's separated people, separated people, His chosen people. Well, what happened when Jesus came? The people of God, who had been given all of these beautiful rules and regulations and ways to live were dependent on their ability to live up to those regulations instead of dependent on God. And so what did they do when Jesus comes along? They rejected the very truth that all of those things pointed to. All of the sacrificial system actually pointed us to Jesus and what He was going to do on the cross. You see? What about King David? How does that point to Jesus? Well, because Jesus is the Son of David. The Messiah, the, the ruler, you see? The promised Messiah. Two barriers that I both. I have a paper. If I find it, I'll get you a copy. It follows both lines. But it would have been through his father that he would have gotten them. It would have been through his father, but actual blood from Mary because Joseph adopted Jesus. I was a big question that I adopted. Well, but, 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 but adoption, both of them, but adoption, both of them yeah, but adoption sealed them just as, le- right. as legally as the son as, as anything. It, more, even more legal than blood. But there's no question because Mary's also in that line. Yeah. So, uh, Jesus was the promised one. And so all of those rules and regulations were there to, to keep that, that culture uh, constrained so that the Savior could come. And when He came, what did it, how did they react to Him? Well, in John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13 or 11, it says, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But to all of those who did receive Him, to those who believed on His name, He gave them the right to become children of God. So what happened? Through the rejection by His own people... Which was predicted from the beginning. Predicted from the beginning. As a matter of fact, Moses is a very good picture at it, and so is Joseph. Yeah. What did yes. What did they do? They rejected him. They rejected yeah. their brother. Remember when Moses they tried both to ended up with the Egyptians. Yeah, yeah. And remember when Joseph tried to, uh, when Moses tried to stand up for the Hebrew guy and killed the Egyptian. What did all the uh, Israelites do? They turned on him. Yeah. They said, "What are you going to do? You going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday?" And so they couldn't see that. And that's what got him in trouble. Yeah. And so Moses was trying to do the right thing by standing up for him. And what did they do? They rejected him. Jesus was doing the right thing. What did David was also rejected. Yeah, David was rejected too. And so all through the Bible, it teaches us the story of who Jesus is going to be when he comes. And so if anybody should have been able to see him, it would have been people that had the law and the prophets and, and Moses, you see. But they also had Isaiah. They had Isaiah, the Psalms. They knew how he would come. They knew that he was going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. They They knew about the palm leaves. Yep. How did they justify rejecting Jesus? What was their main argument? They didn't believe him. It was unbelief. They didn't believe he was. Yeah, they called it. They didn't believe he was truly God. They they thought he was a blasphemer. They called him a blasphemer and said he was teaching against the law of Moses. I want to say that a lot of that had to do with their own head because they were the law. They were in charge. They didn't want that to change. All right, so, but remember, a part of God's plan 
was that his people would reject right. him. And by rejecting him, what did he do then? Then he turned to the whole world. Then he turned to the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, and Jebusites. That's what the road for me. Right. All right. <laughs> now, but what does the Bible tell us about the Jewish people? Has God forgotten the Jews? No. 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 They're really chosen people. Well, physically they're the chosen people. The true chosen people of God are the ones that Jesus died on the cross to save. Right, and, and each one His of sheep. us that are getting right. saved. I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. I'm on a right. My, my sheep know my voice, and they come when I call. So who is His true chosen people? The, um, well, let's look at that. Let's go to go with me really quickly to John. Well, didn't he call us this morning? Yeah, look at John. <laughs> Turn over really quickly to John chapter six, and uh, let's look at something really quick. Dig into that. John chapter six. Yep. All right. We got there we are. All right, in John chapter six. You okay over there? First John. No, John, the Gospel of John. All right, so it's uh, look at verse 26. Jesus answered the people and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Uh, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. All right, so these people were coming to Jesus, and they weren't coming to him because they wanted to believe in Jesus. They were coming to him because he was feeding them food, right? Maybe I hope none of you in we this all do right, that. Right, all the I, right. I hope none of y'all just came here today just to get your bag lunch, right? I hope you actually come to learn from the Bible. But usually at church, there's usually that one guy that comes for the for the covered dish dinner, right? <laughs> Especially a free covered dish dinner. He'll be there every time. All right. And it says this. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may do the works of God? Alright, so listen to what they're asking. What shall we do so that we can do the works of God? So what are they wanting to do? They're wanting to do... They're wanting to get their salvation by doing their doing, own by, by do ascending to heaven, by climbing up power. the steps. Good. Look what it says. Jesus answered them and said this, This is the work of God that you believe in Him who He has sent. So you want to do what you want to do the works of God? Then believe the one He sent. Now who's the one He sent? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Now look what it says next. So they said to him, "What then do you do for a sign, so that we may believe you? What work do you perform?" Now remember what He just done. He just fed them five thousand people with on five loaves and two fishes. Good. And so what you'll see all through the gospel, what you'll see all through the life of Jesus is. Every time that he does a sign, what do the they people say? More. Show me something else, and then I'll believe you. Show me something else, and then I'll believe you. And remember, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, does not work that way. The Holy Spirit is not the same as the world. The world says, show me, and I'll believe you. And people agree. Right? <laughs> show me, and I'll believe you. But what does the Holy Spirit say? Believe me, and I'll show you. Do you see the difference in those two things? The world says, show me. Give me proof and I'll believe you. Jesus says, believe me and I'll give you proof. He works the exact opposite way. Right? Faith, uh, we, we, we believe and then we see. All right? So he said to them... It's kind of like getting your life together. I mean, like we were talking about, we were talking about Edward earlier. You know... There's people that'll help if he really wants it. You know what I'm saying? If he'll reach out there and want to do for himself and pray about it and really, you know. You got but he's got the want. Yep. You know? And that's that's one of the that's one of the paradox of Christian ministry. Like think so, uh, like this afternoon, all of these leftover sack lunches that we have left, I'm gonna carry them and give them to the folks under the bridge, right? And why I do that? Well, because I love them. I don't want them to be hungry. I would like for them to know that God loves them. I usually leave a couple Bibles with them. But the reality is, is the majority of the world does not care about the Word of God. What, a matter of fact, the world at, at large does not care about the Word of God. What do they care about? Material stuff. Material. Paul says it this way. Their God is their belly. That's what he said. Paul says that. Their God is their belly. Now, what does that mean? It's all about the food? No, it's about their physical appetites. Right. And for us, our God was crack cocaine for me or right. our addiction. So Jesus said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who sent. So they say, show him a sign. Now, they in verse 31, it says, our fathers ate the man in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Now, watch this. 
This is what they said. Well, our our fathers, our forefathers, <clears throat> they lived in the wilderness and God gave them bread to eat. Now, what had Jesus just done for them? Just he had just fed them with, with five loaves and two fish. Now we're in John 6 still. Okay. All right. And what do they want? Some more. Show us proof. Now watch. Look what they said. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and He gave them bread out of heaven. But remember this. God did give them bread out of heaven. What was that bread called? Manna. Manna. And what did the children of Israel immediately complain do with it? about it. Not only did they complain about it, but they didn't believe Him. Remember? He said, collect just enough for today. And what did they do? They ran out and collected too much and hid it in their tents. And when they got up the next morning, it had worms all in it because they were being greedy and stunk. And so not only that, the whole time they were in the wilderness, what was God doing? He was giving them water. He, he was teaching them to trust. Because had they trusted Him and did follow His directions, they wouldn't have had all that That's exactly right. But remember, He gave them water out of a rock. He gave them. Remember, Moses threw the leaves, the the tree branch into the they water to give them. Miracle after miracle after miracle. miracle after miracle, and what do they do? They still didn't believe. And isn't it ironic that now Jesus has just fed them bread, and what they're saying? Show us a sign. Show us. Yeah. And then they he said, them all right, and and he, and they said, because God gave our fathers bread in, in in the wilderness. Now, what did the children of the wilderness do? They didn't believe. Now Jesus has just given these people bread, and what are they doing? They're not believing. You see how that works? And then he says this. Um, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it was my father, it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Listen to that statement again. The bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Well, what is the bread that came out of heaven to give life to the world? Jesus. Jesus. What do y'all do every week at communion? You eat the what? The bread. Bread. And, and what, does it, what does it represent? His body. His body. For Michael at the Catholic Church, it actually is the body, right? They, they believe in transubstantiation, but all of us don't believe that. We believe that it's representative that, of, uh, of the body of Christ. It says do this in remembrance of me. Yep. Whichever way you believe. It does in our church, church. Oh, it does? Yeah. It does. I stole that from a Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, well, well, if you want to say that, then you stole you stole it from Jesus because that's what he said at the table. Oh yeah, yeah. Do do this in remembrance of me as often as you will. Right. So the the, the Rome stole it from Jesus. Then, if you okay. want to go that far. But so, so watch what it says. So what he's saying is the real bread, the eternal bread, is Jesus Himself. Okay. Now what are they doing with Jesus right now in this story that we're reading? Rejecting him, not not believing him. They're trying to get greedy. Good. Then Jesus said to them. Uh, then they said to him. They said to Jesus, Lord, always give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not be hungry, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Well, true. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. So what is he calling them right now? Uh, unbelievers, you you are you are you're sitting here rejecting me to my face. Now look what it says. But I said to you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Look, verse thirty-seven. Here's where it gets important. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Mine says I will never cast out. I will certainly. I know, but I'm just the way it, the way it sounds in my ears. It's okay. Like I have. Yeah, you that's because you you listen to the ESV, and that's fine. That's a good translation. That's right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all that come, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will certainly well, not cast sure out. You sure know a lot about me. You know what kind of Bible I use. You know about what we study in my church. You sure know a lot. <laughs> yeah. I well, I I know your church. I know your sure people. Do. That's great. That's a good thing. Am I the only one that has these thoughts sometimes? What if we were, what if we were somehow wrong about Jesus? And wouldn't God be mad at us? Yes. If you picked the Savior and believed in Him, bowed down to Him. And He wasn't really the Savior. Yes. Yeah, you would go to hell. So these Jewish people thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were doing the right thing. They absolutely thought they were defending God by rejecting Jesus. But they were rejecting God. 
They were blind. Okay? So look what he says. All that the Father gives me will certainly come to me, and the one who comes to me I will not cast out. So, who, who, according to verse 37 there, who will come to Jesus? His believers, the believers. Who will come to Jesus? Huh? The ones that he chooses. Read verse 37 again. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Okay, so who is going to come to Jesus? All that the oh, Father, Father gives him. So, the church, the bride... So I was a gift. Yes. <laughs> so, the church, the bride of Christ, is a gift from the Father to the Son. Son. Remember how Abraham... Do you remember how Abraham sent his servant to go and find a bride for Isaac? Mm-hmm. Right? You remember that story in the Old Testament? Well, that's a very good picture of what the Father did. He sent the Holy Spirit to do what? To claim a bride for His Son. You see how that works? It's a very beautiful picture of that. But what we need to remember is this. How many are coming to Jesus? Three letters. All. Now, does that mean everybody in the world is coming to Jesus? No, it's all that the Father has given to me will come to me. And the one that comes out will certainly not cast out. Now that should remind us of John chapter 10 where Jesus said it this way. I am the good shepherd and I lay my life down for who? Who does the good shepherd lay his life down for? Us. The good shepherd. Who does the shepherd? His lamb. His sheep. So Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. And then they said it this way. My sheep know my voice, and I call them by name. And when I call, what do they do? They come. They respond. Yeah. All right. Now, look at verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. All right, here's the will of God. You ready? This is the will of Him who sent me, that all that He has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. So what is the Father's will for the Son? That all that He has given to Him, He will lose nothing. So how many people that the Father has given to the Son will go to hell? And it says, this saving purpose is the Father's will, which the Son will not fail to per- to do perfectly. That's exactly he right. He will not lose, not even one. Not one sheep. So, is there any of the sheep burning in hell today? No. No. Is there anybody that the Father has given to the Son that on judgment day will be cast into hell? No. No. All right, look what it says. For this is, the, uh, this is the will of him sent me, that all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son, the word behold means see. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. So what does it require for a person to believe? They have to be able to see Jesus, and they have to be able to what? Believe Jesus. Who is going to see Jesus? Who's going to believe Jesus? All of those that the Father has given that to the him. The Father has chosen and then given. And given to him. That's exactly right. So not. So what does that mean? So I have people ask me questions like this sometimes. Well, what about that little guy down in Africa that's never heard about Christianity or about Jesus? What about that little guy down in Central America that's living naked in the rainforest and like eating raw fish? That's never seen a Christian missionary or God, never. God doesn't hold them accountable because they don't. They don't know. It's not true. They don't. Everybody is accountable. Well, I mean, all of Adam's sons are without excuse because we all God's come from Adam. God's word is supposed to cover every corner of the earth eventually. So, that, well, that's the point. So, think about it. If there is some little fellow running around naked in the rainforest <laughs> and is supposed to one day see Jesus and believe Jesus, then, and, a missionary will then find somebody's him. going to get to him with the word. Because God has chosen. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, after after he knows the word, but up until that point, then he wouldn't hold him accountable. No, God. What what Romy's saying is, if there's if there's one of the chosen sheep that 
a native in Africa, a native in Central America, anywhere, that God will make sure that his word gets to him so that he believes. That's right. So if he's not a chosen sheep and his word doesn't get to him, then he wasn't meant to be in heaven to be. All right. So so let's let's look at um let's look at verse forty one. Then the Jews started grumbling at him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. So what is he saying? He is the gift from the Father, and now what are those people doing? They're grumbling at him. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? What are they doing? They are rejecting the very... Yeah, but they knew it's going to be a virgin birth, that it would be a person, it would be in flesh and blood, somebody that would be in human form. And they're rejecting what they know. They're rejecting it. They reject that knowledge and unbelief. Jesus answered and said to them. Watch this. This is very important. Jesus answered and said to them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. No one can come to me. That Now... How many of y'all remember when you were in elementary school and you wanted to go to the bathroom and you asked the teacher, teacher, can I go to the bathroom? What would the teacher say to you? Oh. I don't know. Can you? Oh. <laughs> all right. That would have been all she had to say. I would have been. Right? And what, 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 would, what is supposed to be your reply? Oh, I'm sorry, teacher. May I go to the bathroom? All right? So... Can and may are two different words. See, if I was sitting in that classroom, I could go to the bathroom right there in my desk and be embarrassed the rest of the day around all of my friends. But what she was getting me to do is ask for what? Permission. May. Right. And, may and I. Ask permission the problem. Okay. Now look, look at that verse again. Look it at 44. It's a teaching moment. Look, look, at, look at verse 44. This is a teaching moment in verse 44. Look what it says. No one may come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Is that what it says? Uh-huh. No, it doesn't. Lori? No one can come. Can. Oh, can. Oh. <laughs> so what does that mean? The may can. What does that mean? The only way that you can come to the Father is through who? So you, you can't do it. It's not whether you may or not. You, you don't have the permission. Okay. You don't have the right or the privilege. Okay. Right. I gotcha. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. So what is the promise? In that promise that we just read there, number one, who is Jesus' sheep? Who are God's chosen people? In the Old Testament, who is God's chosen people? The Israelites. Yeah. Alright, now, check this out. In God's Old Testament covenant, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, were there people that were His chosen people that were not his elect. Yes. Okay, give me an example of someone who was an Israelite who was Jewish but was not going to heaven. The one that crucified Jesus. Okay, that's New Testament. That would, oh, okay. New, yeah. Old Testament. Oh, Old Testament. Oh, oh well, An example of somebody well, who was a Jew that was Ishmael. Ishmael, good. Yeah. Good. Isaac's brother, right? Isaac's give me another. Brother. Give me another example. Mm, well, Joseph's brother. Joseph's brother was a tribe of Israel. Uh, Cain. Yeah. Cain would be one. Okay. Well, but that's that's before there was Jews. That yeah. was before. So God worked with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. He worked on an individual basis. And, uh, then with the children of Israel, he worked Jacob's with a nation. Brother, Jacob's brother. Esau. Esau. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all in the Old Testament, you see, there was a bunch of kings that were yeah. Christ, but they were God rejectors, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Now, were they circumcised on the eighth day according to the law of Moses? I would, yeah. Yeah. What about, uh, like... And did they go to the Passover feast and to the temple... Uh, and like to, King Saul was chosen by God and then he messed up really... Is he going to heaven? He's in hell. He messed up. He was a Christ rejecter. It wasn't that he messed up. He never believed. But he was chosen to be king, but he wasn't chosen to be in heaven. He wasn't chosen... That's exactly right. What about Solomon? Solomon is a, a believer. Solomon's a child yeah, of God. Yeah, we still messed up. So did David, though. It's not how much we sin. It's, how, it's what Christ believe. has done for us on right, the cross. So never, it's right. whether you accept so, it. And, and it says here, 
It says here, no one chosen will be lost. So think about this. Well, let's ask you a question. Let's my point, though. Let's, my let's ask you. Karen, she was saved, and she, she overdosed. And somebody told me, somebody in the church told me that if, you, if you're chosen, you've been saved, and you make mistakes, and you, then you start to turn away from God, he will take you home. Could be. So, There's no doubt about that. He will yeah. take you, but that, you're still not lost. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Okay. And he'd rather, he's not going to let you make a mockery of the okay. salvation. So I'm, I'm thinking that's what happened in my friend. Well, I, I would hope so. But we, we don't know about any of that. It's no, same, we don't. It's the same question I get. Somebody told me that in church too. And so I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about like like Solomon. like, And I know David's in heaven. So think about this. David was a murderer. So think about this. You have people that say that Jesus died for every person that's ever lived. Yeah. All right? Now think about this. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross, Judas had already sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And Judas couldn't handle it. And, and, and Judas went and killed himself. Killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so think about this. Saul had died a Christ rejecter. Cain had died a Christ rejecter. Right, all of these people in the Old Testament who had already—they were already dead. So Saul was never anointed, just chosen to be king, or was he anointed to be king? He was anointed by the prophet to be the king of Israel, but he was never okay. anointed by the okay. Holy Spirit to be a child of God. Okay. He's an example of someone who looks the part, but is okay. not. Okay. Is not the real deal. All right, so think about this: all of those people in the Old Testament that died rejecting Jesus. And Judas was the worst. What, yeah, and Judas was kind of New Testament. But all, for all of those people that died, before Jesus died on the cross, there was a lot of people that died rejecting God. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. All right. So to say that Jesus died for everybody that ever lived, would Jesus hang on the cross and die for people who had already died rejecting him? Like no. Cain? See? No, so when Je- evil folks that live today, he didn't hang there for them. So when Jesus died on the cross, who was he dying to say? All that the Father has... Given to me, right? All that the Father has given to me. Now, do we know who the Father has given him? No. No. And sometimes because, some of the, sometimes the, I guess I was ever going to be saved earlier, yep. but it's different now. And sometimes some of the worst people, sometimes some of the worst people in the world that you would think would never be saved are actually the people that God reaches out and saves. Sure. So look at the disciples. So who does the offer of salvation go to? It goes to everyone. You preach the message to everyone. But who's going to hear it and believe it and come? Okay. God's chosen people. His people. Right. You see how that works? Right. Right. Now, are there a lot of people in churches today that look like God's chosen people that aren't? And the sad, Yeah, I was going to say, the sad part about that is a lot of people that you think you can reach out and save, you can't. You know, the ones that you right. think may be successful right. are I'll not because, but, you know, but, because of our own human nature and thinking, oh, we could get these people in the right Good. The right frame of mind. Good. Now watch what you're saying though. You're doing the same thing that the Jews have asked Jesus. What do we do to do the works of God? You can. Nothing. You can. You see? In other words, what do I need to do to save my friend? Right. But you can. That's got to be. Who does that? God. You still, you still, still expected to bring the word of the Lord to him. Very good. And that's how. And we're going to actually end our lesson talking about that today. Like we're going to we're going to end our lesson talking about that today. But look at verse forty four again. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So what does that mean? The only people that will be saved are the ones that the Father has given to the Son. The ones that the Father draws to the Son. And the ones that believe in the Son. You see? Right. Those are the ones who are saved. Which is all good for you. Now, again, guys, if you're in this room today and you truly are a child of God, why are you a child of God? Because you were a gift to the Son from the Father. Because the Father drew you to the Son. And because the Holy Spirit opened your eyes and your heart and gave you a, the ability to believe on Him. Now, think about what I just said. With all of those factors in mind and thinking about all of those things, one day when you get to heaven, who's going to get credit for you being there? Christ. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God. That's it. Is anything that you did going to be responsible for your salvation? All right. Now, there's a lot of people in the world who say, oh, yeah, but I had to choose him. I had to choose him. Right? Yes, there is. Well, well... You do have to believe on him, do you not? 
Yes. But who gives you the power to believe? God. God. And the only. He also gives us the power to pray. He gives us the the want to know His word. So does that? So want to understand our belief. So when you get to heaven one day, are you going to be able to brag about anything that got you there? No. 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 I'm going to say, Jesus, I want to hug a lion. Uh, Okay, Lord. (laughs) So. I'll tell my mom about that. So. He's going to say, I'm going to try to find you a nice one. What would be the problem? What would be the problem if I got to heaven and started bragging about something that I have done? Then you're you're not in heaven. You're not in heaven because you you can't get to heaven if you're going to be bragging about your work. It's not your work. It's not about what you do. That's exactly right. But with all of that said, does that mean that as a Christian, I'm just supposed to sit with my arms crossed and say, well, God will pick whoever he's going to pick, and he's going to save whoever he saves, and it's not up to me to do anything, so let him just save them, and I'm just going to be. When God chooses us, he puts in our heart to want to share that good, good news. It's good. So is it going to be uh, my Bible and me under a tree the rest of my life, I'm just going to live happily no, just knowing I'm saved? I asked once for God to put me on a mountaintop. So I would not be getting in trouble no more. I'll, I know what to do. I've been from Vermont. I can survive. And I I really did. I prayed for him to put me on a mountain. So he put you in jail? He put me in jail. <laughs> that was the mountain. <laughs> that was the mountain. He just didn't know what it was. Put me on a mountain. I can't get in trouble I can worship you. I can so he put you in the dungeon. Instead yeah, of putting you on high, right. he brought you low. That was not his yeah. plan. Very good. All right. So um, let's go back now. <laughs> so again, with that understanding... Remember at the beginning of our lesson how we talked about how there was uh, physical healings of sight and hearing and speaking and walking. And there was spiritual healings of sight and talk. Well, it's the same way when it comes to the people of God. There was a physical people of God. And there are spiritual people of God. And now what's happened? The spiritual people of God have become his chosen ones. Now, does that negate anybody who believed on him in the Old Testament? No. No, because Christ died on the cross to save them too. And and what we and what we have to understand is, does that because I'm spiritually God's chosen people, does that mean that I have the right physically to live however I want? No. no. You see, but your heart don't want. Oh. That's exactly right. That's the difference is that he has you changed. You want to live a better life. He has changed my heart. Okay. Good. So let's go back to that uh, Matthew. Uh, let's go back to that Matthew nine passage and um, look really quick at the, at one of the last things that Jesus says there in Matthew chapter nine. Um, let's look at verses. Thirty-five. We'll do thirty-five through thirty-eight. It said Jesus was going through all of the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So if he's going to synagogues, which people is he reaching out to right now? The Jewish people. people. And remember again, that's the plan. The plan is to reach out to the Jews first. And what does God know the Jews are going to do when he reaches out to them? Reach out to them. Reject them. And by rejecting him, who's he going to then turn to? To the Gentiles. And what the Bible teaches us is that by turning to the Gentiles, now the Gentiles are saved. One day in the future, all the Jewish people, are not all the Jewish people, but his chosen people from the nation of Israel are going to wake up and say, wait a minute, that's our Messiah. You can't have him. It said said it's going to provoke them to jealousy. They're going to realize, wait a minute, you got our Messiah. You can't have him by yourself. And what are they going to do? They're then going to come. And none of that's going to catch God by surprise. You see what I mean? What's going to happen? All that the Father has given to him will be drawn to him and they will come to Jesus. And that's the plan that you see being played out all the way through the history from Adam to the last man that lives. It's going to be that way. God is reaching out to his people. God is drawing his people to himself. And look, how is he drawing the people? Well, what was Jesus doing? He was going through the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing diseases and every kind of sickness. So all of those miracles that he was doing were an authentication of the message that he was proclaiming. In other words, it gave validity to his message. But it was not the miracles that saved people, was it? It was the message. 
And through the message comes the greatest miracle. What is the greatest miracle? Regeneration. Right. A new life, a new heart. A new heart. You see? And so, how do we get a new heart? Salvation comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. So in order to hear the Word of God, your ears have got to be open. open. And how are they open? The God opens the ears of unbelievers through the preaching of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the way that God heals and, and saves people. It, and it never works apart from that. We were just talking about that in our Sunday school class this last week. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of God never works apart from the Word of God. And the Word of God will not work apart from the Spirit of God. Remember Nicodemus, the story of John chapter 3? Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, would have had the first five books of the Bible memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Most people have a hard enough time reading the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, much less memorizing it. But he had it all memorized. But even with all of that knowledge of the Word of God, without the Spirit of God, he could not see the kingdom of heaven, could he? Remember what Jesus said? Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I believe Nicodemus was. Oh, he was. It, the, the story later plays out that way. At the end, he's the one that comes with uh, Joseph of Arimathea with the spices yeah. to go anoint. He, yeah. he risks his, his, his uh, uh, standing in, standing the, Jewish in community. the Jewish community to go put the spices on Jesus' body. So, uh, what we learn is, is that the Spirit of God never works apart from the Word of God. And the Word of God never works apart from the Spirit of God. They work in harmony and in union together. And so when the Word of God is preached, the Spirit of God works. You see? And so every time that you go to church, even on them days when you kind of dozing a little bit and don't think you listen to the preacher, you, you need to wake up, really. <laughs> but the point being is, if you're hearing the Word of God, the preacher's preaching the Word of God, the Holy Spirit can actually be at work in a person's heart and them not even realize it. But if the Spirit of God is really at work in somebody and the Word of God is really at work in somebody, they will realize it. I can kind of feel it. Right? They they will realize it. Why? Because He's going to save them. And so look what He says here at the end. Verse uh, 37. Then He said to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, what is the harvest? What you take in. Yeah, it's what the crops that you bring in. And so what he's saying is... There's not that many people want to work that get it yep. to get the crop. Now now watch. What is Jesus saying right here? Everybody wants to receive, but never... What Jesus is actually... Right? What Jesus is actually saying right here is this. My sheep are all spread out all over there. It's scattered like a flock. And where are they? They're on all four corners of this globe. Like they're everywhere. My sheep are everywhere. And they need someone to let them hear my voice. The Father is drawing them. And they need to hear my voice so that they can what? Come. So what is the responsibility of us as believers? To share the Word of God with the world. Why? Because it is through the Word and the Spirit that other people come to know and Christ. And you find yourself praying, Father, help me do better. Help sure. me bring glory to your name. So look what he says. He says, the harvest is plentiful or the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest, into the fields. So this is what Jesus is telling his disciples. He said, you need to pray and ask God to send out workers into the fields. All right, and then to finish the class off, look at chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus summoned the twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And then he sends them out. All right? So Jesus tells the disciples to pray that God will send workers into the field. And then what does Jesus do? He sends them out into the field. Like you're the answer to the prayer. You're praying for God to send somebody to your friends so that they can know Jesus. You're probably the one that needs to go tell your friend about Jesus. Mm-hmm. You see how that works? And so, what do we know? We know that God has a people. Who are His people? His elect, His sheep, His children. And where are they? 
They're in every race and tongue and tribe and nation all over this world. Every kind of culture and clan that you can think of, God's sheep are scattered all over this world. And what is God's plan? Through the rejection of the Messiah by Israel and by Jesus turning to the Gentiles, what's happening? That message is now going out where? To all the world. And what, okay, and what is the purpose of that message? So that His sheep can hear His voice and so all that the Father has given unto Him will what? Come to Him. And all of those that come to Him will be what? Saved. And this is what He said. And all those that come to Me, I will cast out. How many? Of all of those that come to Me, I will cast out none. Anybody that comes to the Father... Anybody that comes to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, will be accepted and saved. He does not reject people. Why? Because all of those that are coming to Him are being what? Being drawn. They're being drawn. Yeah, they're being... You see? And so what is mine and your responsibility? Mine and your responsibility is to recognize what Christ has done in our lives and to go out and share that love and that grace and that forgiveness with a world that desperately needs Him. That's what we're required to do. Okay, Lori, uh, we'll finish class. What's your question? Well, I'm reading chapter 10, and Jesus had the disciples with him as he was doing his ministry. And then, then this says the 12 apostles, which he gave the, you know, the uh, authority over unclean spirits yep. and such. And they're all listed, and it says at the end, and Jude, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. He had the power. Yep, you better believe it. He did? Yep, cast out demons and went around preaching the kingdom of God. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You better believe it. Jesus sold out. Think about this. Jesus, an hour before Jesus went in Allen and sold him for 30 pieces of silver, Jesus was on his knees in front of Jesus, washing his, Judas washing his feet for him. Looking up at Judas with his eyes. Told him he was going to betray him. Well, he knew that there was going to be a betrayal because Jesus had sent somebody in this room. And just an hour. He said to betray me. Yep. And, and he, Jesus already knew, and he, and he knew that Jesus knew. And Jesus literally got on his hands and knees and washed Judas' feet an hour before he went out and sold him out for the silver. Right? So, what does that teach us? Well, the ones of us who do know don't be a are literally more accountable than people that don't. Right. Like, we will be held accountable oh, you'll be for more, knowledge that we more have. More so held accountable. Yeah, you're more responsible, and well, and the reality is, is, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. There's no excuse for mine and your sin and what we do. I, the the sins that I continue to indulge in in my life, there's no excuse for it now. I know they're wrong, and yet in my natural state, I still go out and do the things that I know are wrong. And there's no excuse for those kind of things. Right. Yeah. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed the class. I do not think that I see y'all next week. I think next week will be. What's next week? First weekend. Uh, first weekend, yeah. So Mr. Barry will be here. So let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for loving us enough to send your son to save us. Um, and I just pray for every man and woman in this room that we do know your salvation. We know your hope. And then uh, I pray that we will have the desire and the willingness to go out and share that love and forgiveness that you have given us with a world who so desperately needs you. Lord, we do not know who your people are, but we, we do know that you know. And we know that we have a responsibility to you to share your gospel, your good news with everyone around us. So please give us the desire to do that. Help us to be a living witness for you and help us not to forget your words that have saved us. Help us to share those with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.